I'm finna put all this in my book bag because I'm from the streets. Yeah, yeah. And boom, what's going on? It's your boy Ambition. And here we are with another episode of the MYFB podcast. And today I have with me a, actually, I would say we've been friends for over a decade. Um, yeah, more than a decade. Uh, I've gotten to see her do some really amazing things, switch careers several times and had varying levels of success in each career, um, varying levels of success personally as well. Right. I think one of the things that, you know, we definitely want to highlight before we even jump into the talk about marriage is that to carry on a marriage for a while. Right. Or a relationship for over a decade as well is a successful marriage. So let's highlight that as well. Today I have with me, uh, would, you, would you say you're a relationship and communications coach? Yes. yes. Relationships and communication coach. Today I have with me Miss Falami Fitzgerald. How are you doing, Falami? I am doing wonderfully. Uh, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. Okay. So first one, right? Uh, this might be a little slugger, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, prep prep your shoulders to home back i i see that you kept you kept your last name right which isn't your maiden name and that that was um after the separation and after the divorce right so that that's one of the the questions that we uh definitely have coming up right but first i just want you to tell people a little bit about yourself well a little bit about me so I am, like you said, a relationship and communication coach, but uh, even that's not it. I am a world-renowned social scientist posing as an edutaining media mogul, but even that's not it. What I really am is a goddess walking the earth, relearning her ability, ability to create her life. Nice. So Love that's it. Love a little it. bit Love about it. me. Okay, so you knew the question was coming. Why'd you keep that man's last name? <laughs> Hilarious. Okay, so uh, good question. Well, I hold did on pause first... before anybody uh, makes any sort of inferences. I-, I love him just as much as I love her. So let- let's put that out there. These people oh, yes. are my family. So Definitely. this is why I get to talk like this during this podcast. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Why'd you keep that man's last name? <laughs> well, I kept his last name because um First off, we have a child together, a glorious child, Love and um, and her name means goddess. And so I wanted to remain, you know, with her and I having the same last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I mean, he's just a really dope person, right? Like you said, you love him. You know, I love him. We all, everybody loves the man. Of course, when even when he's acting like an a-hole sometimes. But uh but yeah, like the experience that I had being married with him, um, to him and his whole family, I love him. So, and also it's just funny because our divorce decree, we hadn't gotten the paperwork back yet. And I had to like renew my passport and I had to also get a Georgia driver's license and things like that. So it worked out that I did not want to change it back to my maiden name legally because um, I didn't actually have the paperwork to actually get that done. So I, I love the way that you kind of approach this, right, is um, you looked at the marriage, you looked at what, you know, you've gained from the marriage. Obviously, both of you grew during that space of time, right? 
um, you know, knowing both of you personally, the growth seemed like it was in tandem, right? Every time I saw him level up, I saw him pulling you, kicking, dragging, and screaming as well, right? Um, and, you know, to, to be able to look at that, to go through, you know, what a lot of people would consider to be a tough marriage, right? And I'm not saying that because, you know, it actually was, but nowadays people would take the story of your marriage to say, you know, him, you know, reminding you that you have to put in work or him, you know, putting you in this space where, you know, you have to grow and even you putting yourself in spaces where you have to grow both, you know, emotionally, mentally, and even physically I've seen, um, they, they would take that space to say abuse or not love and all of those things. What, what would you say about that? Ooh, I love this so much. Okay. So, whew. Mm, mm, mm. so yes, his and I, my marriage was, I mean, it was definitely a growth experience. I just posted something on my uh, Facebook a few days ago um, from Lisa Nichols saying there are three types of relationships. One is a lifetime, one is a purposeful one, and one is like a life-giving one. And mm -hmm. ours was the purposeful one. Like we we went into it. And when I, when I look back on it, I said, wow, we went into it knowing that we were going to be growing up together. And we were okay with that. What, what, it, like, literally we had this conversation that, um, you know, he asked me to marry him for the third time. And I said, Oh, you know, fine this time. Okay. <laughs> and then, but I, but I told him, I said, well, I don't feel like I'm ready. I, I don't, I don't know who I am quite, you know, yet I, I, I'm not grown for real. I was, I was 21. And, um, and he said, well, we will grow up together. And I said, but well, what if when we grow up together, we find that, okay, we don't, that's, you know, we're not what each other needs for the rest of our lives. And then he was just like, well, we'll figure it out then. Like, it's really wild. Truly. We kind of knew if I'm being honest, <laughs> it was like it's a possibility that right. once we grew up we would find out that you, we were only good for each other for that growing up part which is you know what um you, you know me so you know how i carry on my relationships and i literally just had the conversation the other day with someone because you know they they were saying um well the the way that i know i want my relationship to be uh that I know that this relationship between us wouldn't last. And I explained to them, right? Shakespeare said, it's better to have loved and lost than not have loved at all, right? So I think it's very uh, interesting that you guys proved what is the benefit to be in it for the experience versus for, you know, any sense of long-term commitment of a future that you don't know what will happen in any way. I think that's very beautiful. Um, uh, and I, listen, I, I can see already, right? Like this podcast episode is going to be the one that I send out to, you know, a lot of women and men who have gone through a divorce and they, they're really unsure how to take it because I, I gotta be honest, Falami, your disposition is very different than a lot of the women that I've seen who've gone through divorce. And maybe that's because we're on a podcast right now, right? But I don't even think that's true because even throughout it, you know, I've talked to you, I've talked to him, um, both of you very mature about the split. Uh, 
both of your families very mature about it as well, right? Um, definitely a space where everybody just seems to still be interested in loving one another and moving forward and growing. How, how, how do we get there, right? How do we get there as a people? How do we make that the story of many separations, not just the separation that, you know, you had? How does that happen? Oh, God, I'm, I'm just loving your question so much. Oh, my God. So, oh, and this is, you know, a successful, a successful relationship is leads to a successful business. And we'll, we'll talk, tackle that in a while. But mm-hmm. I, I want to talk about how we have successful separations. Mm-hmm. Oh, good question. Good question. Because I, I know I, it, my heart aches that people, you know, what I'm saying once they realize, OK, well, we're going to do our best growing more apart you know now mm-hmm. I, I, it hurts me that people you know are so you know kind of make it such a devastating thing and um how we get to that point first of all there is going to need to be so much self-exploration and uh exploration of like deep diving and processing about how you guys relationship came to be and all the steps you know during the relationship and that's what we were able and blessed to be able to do is uh is have a relationship counseling that just really took us through the process and and what i mean by that is so when 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 we're splitting apart and we're having our issues and all that stuff a lot of times we're arguing there's a lot of arguing there's a lot of conversations had and sometimes people don't know how to be authentic with themselves let alone with their partner uh, or they're afraid to be authentic um, to, to, to really say what it is they really, really want and what they really don't want. And so it really takes a, a framework that allows you to be able to speak authentically and not when the other partner hears your authentic truth, they're not offended. They're not you know, being defensive about it. They're not blaming and shaming you for what happened in their life, you know, up to this point and that kind of thing. Um, it, it just, it takes a really sophisticated, basically what I'm saying, a sophisticated communication style. Um, and that is what, when, when I learned, when we learned this communication style, I was like, oh my God, this is how we've actually been communicating throughout our whole marriage. And by that, I mean how Jovan he already naturally communicated and how he was trying to teach me how to communicate with him because right. we never had, you know, how couples have those arguments where they're, ah, 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 you know, yelling at each other, shout. We've always had these conversations where we're very, you know, I, I was actually just about to say exactly that. Like I was going to let the listeners know I've never, when you said the word argument, I've never heard Falami argue. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even with him, right? I I don't really hear him arguing. This, I, I want everybody to understand. We we were talking. We're talking about you know myself knowing uh, both of these individuals. I know him as a Marine who was senior to me. You know during my nine year sprint in the Marine Corps and his nine year sprint in the Marine Corps as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know this was definitely someone who was always in a position to yell at someone if need be. And if he rose his voice at you. It is very ironic that you don't feel yelled at, right? <laughs> like he'll he'll yell he'll be yelling at you, but you don't feel yelled at because it's like every word is specifically chosen. Um, so I've never seen these two really kind of argue, right? I've seen tensions get high, right? And 
it, this was even while I was you guys' roommate, right? Like, you know, we, uh, when I was married, they were married. Uh, I had my son and we had just gotten out to California, lived in the biggest house that I've ever lived in, right? At the time. And I, I th- we joke about that all the time, right? Like I, I moved in and all, all three of us come from a, a background where I, I really do believe we've succeeded and prospered uh, together, like almost alongside each other, where I could see when I was doing this, he was doing this. When she was doing this, my wife was doing it. And I got to see that. So I, I was the one who stepped in the house like he didn't have no sense. I was like, oh, what's going on here? <laughs> I was, I'll tell um, we had left the garage open with bikes mm-hmm. in it and came back then. And there were still bikes in the garage. I was like, this would never happen in Brooklyn. Right. It was several days later, too. Right. <laughs> garage is open. <laughs> right yeah so so what I'm saying is I I really got the chance to see these people on a personal level um to to really watch the way that they handled this divorce and uh you know I I would go as far to say from the outside in and hopefully on the inside it feels the, the same way that it looks but from the outside looking in the the divorce was a success Right. Like the separation was a success. I didn't see two people uh, separate and get all over the place. I saw two people separate and grow accordingly. And as if that was the plan from the very start. Um, And two people step into spaces that thoroughly make themselves happy. Um, To to really kind of bring this full circle. Right. The, The portion that I definitely wasn't around for. Right. I, I was off doing my thing. Uh, you guys were off uh, doing your thing was y'all finally had a baby and everybody was plotting on the baby. Right. Um, how 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 did having a child change the dynamic of the marriage? And then also, how did it change the dynamic as you were going through the divorce? What what were some of the considerations? Mm, mm, okay. So. um <laughs> Ooh, ooh, that's heavy. Okay, so the child topic. So mm-hmm. I before we continue, I want everybody to know. I asked her if she there was any topics she wanted me to be careful on. She said nothing. Right. So that that's, oh, yeah. that's I'm my an open book. Me. And here's the thing: I've always right. been a very open book and like kind of an overshare where it kind of annoys some people. I learned. Well, but it's a podcast. What I learned, yeah. What I realized is that that is what's going to make me my million dollars because I'm writing my memoir and it's going to be a TV show. And I'm like, that's why God put that in my heart. To sh- sh- I'm an open book because I feel like lessons are, you know, there's so many lessons to be learned from people's lives. I derive right. it all the time. So anyway, back to the, um, so I, just a little background on me with children. <laughs> I have, I've always been very, like I'm, you know, people are anal, reten- anal retentive about some things. I yes. am anal about, creating another human life experience um and and because I found that you know some people I realized that I I am overly that as opposed to other people so I spent all of my sexual life since I was 17 years old making sure I did not procreate before I was ready um Mm -hmm. and what I thought also was that I needed to parenting looked hard to me so I said well I want to do that only if I have a full staff available um, and by full staff, I mean what? Personal chef, housekeeper, 
um, you know, nanny, a personal assistant, a personal shopper, personal trainer, all those things. And so um, Jovan and I, for the first eight years of our, you know, and I, he knew this going into the marriage with me. Um, so our goal was we need to be wealthy. I was like, you know, we, we wanted to have children, but we need to be wealthy. So that was our like mission for the first eight years. We were just like really like, okay, how, what can we do to be rich? And we, so we did all these real estate investment courses and um, we started a real estate investment company. And, um, you know, he got into tech um, and I got into tech. Anyway, so next thing you know, eight years goes by, I'm it, 30. So hold on. I'm like, well, we're not, Y'all not going to skate. You're not going to skate over this one, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. When she says he got into tech and I got into tech, right? <laughs> he worked for arguably the largest tech giant in the world, right? If you guys want to take any guesses at who that is, that's on you. Um, and the original deal that he closed with them was closer to at you you in tech you expect a six figure job right mm-hmm. but when you say six figures you're saying it cuz it crossed that $100,000 uh that $100,000 mark right you don't expect someone to jump that close to the second 100,000 in their first attempt i'm just being very honest with you on of the level of success as another person who was in tech um, I got out. I tell people I made 110,000 my first job out. He made me look at myself and go, what the fuck are you doing with life? <laughs> right. And it took me a couple years to catch up. Right. And then I got to that level. And that this is what I want you guys to understand about th- this family's performance level. Right. Because it's not just Falami, It's also him. And, you know, hopefully one day uh, we'll get him on the podcast. But knowing Jovan. I doubt it, right? But the the to let you know their performance level, it's then he pulls her into tech, right? Mm-hmm. Not an easy field to jump into, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But he sets up the plan like this is a legit performance ass family, right? So, mm-hmm. not, I'm saying all that to say when she says they jump into things. Don't think this is half-ass and half-cock, right? They, they're jumping in. Um, actually, I'll say it like this. If you go back to, I believe, episode 10, right? We have um, the cousin of the man that we're talking about. And he said the quote, uh, when I get into something or I'm interested in something, I jump in the rabbit hole and come out with skins. I'm beginning to take that, uh, think that trend is hereditary. Because mm-hmm. both of these individuals, the fantastic minds, fantastic right. minds. The whole family, the whole Fitzgerald the whole, family. Right, the whole family. <laughs> right? Crazy, the, yeah. that, you're right. It is the whole family because they'll, the, the other brother works for another. So th- this is a, and it's not like they're, they're a spoon fed family. That's the other thing. Right. They're a hard work family. Right. They're a self made. Like they all decided that they were going to come up from nothing to something in one right. fucking generation. Right. Smooth. It's incredible. Right. So that that's what we're talking about. So when she says they jumped from tech to real estate, no, they they dove in, right? 
So continue your story. I'm sorry. I don't mean to cut you off. Just oh, let me give you no, the background. Right. So, um, and I know, and I know because when I tell people that they're like, Kwame, what a full step. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm just being honest with me. Like I am not good with the multitasking with, you know, doing the house chores and whew, taking care of the baby and having a full-time job. And then, you know, and it's just like, to me growing up, parenting looked hard. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, we eight years in, I'm um I'm 30 years old and, and we and I was projecting that we wanted maybe four maybe five I was gonna see how I felt after four children right um and so I said well I guess I need to go ahead and get started because you know your eggs are only gonna be so fresh right so that's why we now but in, to also include in that was I was really wondering I was starting to wonder if I actually did want to have children um mm. I had a deep conversation with my cousin um who is a pastor and she I mean we we went down a rabbit hole and because she kept because what it is she asked me a, a couple poignant questions um and and one one was uh do you even want to have children and I and I went back and I asked her I said it was years ago and so of course she doesn't remember I'm like I wonder what made you ask me that but we went down a rabbit hole and she was like well yeah this is gonna have to happen you know this this is what's going to have to happen, have to happen with children, this and this. And I started to be like, mm, because and what really made me think, because I said, well, what if I have a child? And then I, you know, I realized, OK, I'm not that motherly inclined. And then but I feel bad because I want her to have or them to have siblings. So then I feel pressured to give them siblings. Um, and so I said, well, and that's what the final thing was. I said, well, maybe let me just not start at all. Um, I had that conversation and then I went to Javon. I said, Javon, what if I actually don't want to have children? And then he said, well, he'll have to, you know, he said, I'll have to figure something else out. That didn't, you know, so that might offend somebody like, you know, like, oh my God, we've been married. Not you. But he, so I was like, hmm, that is true. You have to figure something else out. <laughs> and so then I thought, well, let me not have, let me say, let me not let Javon have wasted his time. That's literally what I thought. So mm. we went ahead and had a baby. Um, and then I went through postpartum. I literally just came out of postpartum like a month ago. She's almost three. She'll be three in a couple of weeks. So um, it, it's pretty deep. Like it's, 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 it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. And um, and what was one of the reasons why we ended the, ended the marriage was because I realized I said, okay, I don't want to have any more children. Um, and he did. Now, a lot of people were looking at that and saying, well, why don't you compromise and have another child? At least one more, you know. Because it's and your body. Me, and why would right. you put yourself through that? To right? me, so, I would. So I like, wow. th at this, this is the point where I actually want to bring up a conversation we had. Right. Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, we, we talked about that exact same thing where, you know, everybody was around going, well, why don't you like parenting or why don't you want to have more children? And we had the conversation. I explained to you, um, you know, I can see your angle, right? And I can see your angle as somebody who, um, you know, because I know where people go as soon as you, you think these things and say these things, they think deadbeat. But so as somebody who has had his father not be around, right? Mm -hmm. I thought about how much damage my father would have done if he was there. Right. And just straight up was like, hey, I didn't I don't want to do this. Right. Mm -hmm. um, 
So one of the things that I told you then was be honest with yourself about that. Right. I think that it's still possible for someone who doesn't want to be a parent to be a great parent. Right. So long as they can have an open dialogue with other individuals uh, who are also open about that. Right. And it, it seems like there's no support for the people who don't want to jump into that field. So it, it's I, I think that, um, you know, you saying that you've also had the postpartum depression and all of those things, because we forget that um, postpartum depression, by number one, is not gender or sex based. It's parent based. You'll adopt a kid and get postpartum depression. Right. Because it's it's a life change. It's a change to your world. That's number one. Um, and number two, yeah, raising kids suck. Like everybody who likes to say like, oh my God, it's such a blessing. It's like, you're, you're, you're leaving out the work portion of this, right? So I wanted to say all that to say, number one, thank you for being somebody who openly admitted that even to me, right? Um, because that's part of the struggle of trying to be a parent, especially when you feel like you had a parent that abandoned you. Right. Um, so thank you for that. Right. And I, and I do want to say, um, and, and even the whole time that I was postpartum, I, you know, I had lots of conversations with my mother and I'm very grateful to have a mom who was so, you know, uh, somebody I could talk to so authentically about it. Uh, mm -hmm. and the ironic thing about that is she is a parent empowerment, uh, coach. So I'm like, wow, how ironic is this for you, mother? Like, <laughs> this is your job. And now you really have to work on this with me. But she, because her parenting experience was completely different. Um, and then it turns out that she had her best friend growing up who actually had the same experience I was having. And her friend back then, what, 30 years ago when she had her child was afraid to tell my mother because her experience was so stark different from my mom. My mom loved children, you know. My mom was like, oh, yes, I love parenting. <laughs> And I'm like, mama. And so, <laughs> woo, it was bad. And so I say all that to say that um, I never did regret. You know, some people are like, well, you regret having I never regretted it. Like, I, I knew my baby is here for a reason. She's awesome. My mama asked her, what, do you think she's ugly? I said, oh, no, I don't think she's ugly. So I'm grateful <laughs> for that because some people do think that their children, you know, are not all like, good looking. No, it's I, fine. They don't got to think their child is ugly. I think people's children is ugly for them. Stop, stop. I'll think it and tell you. <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, so I mean, I, I said to say that I, I knew something was amiss. Like I'm like, okay, I know I'm something I'm, you know, off about because people may listen to this and be like, oh my god, no, she's not saying this. But like, what if her child heard this one day? It was nothing to do with my child. My child so is quite the frankly, best child. Like sometimes people, somebody asked me, they was like, well, what you have a problem with her or something? I'm like, it's not my child. Like, I know this is me. Like, this is my issue. Um, so my child people is who wonderful. are listening and may have an issue, fuck off. Right. <laughs> Moving right. on. Right? Well, yeah, like, yeah, my child, because, my baby. And, and now, to this day, I'm just like, oh, Lord, I'm really grateful for it. Because now her personality is really coming through. And, like, it's amazing. So, the real truth of the matter is that people don't really have an issue with you. They have an issue with the life that they've lived and how they wish people would have behaved in their lives. Right. They had somebody who had this issue in their life and that issue took over their childhood. Right. Mm -hmm. But that didn't happen with you because you had a community. Right. You had people that you could talk to. 
right? And I don't think it would have happened with you even if you didn't have people that you would, could talk to. Because again, you, you were in a marriage, you, you still ended up with a, at least a couple of sensible people around you, right? Yeah. Um, and sometimes having a sensible opinion really does make the difference, right? Like if the only person that you could talk to was your mother and your mother was stark against it, like, why didn't you want to be a mother? Mother being a, being a mother, best thing ever. And it's like, uh, I'm sorry. Sorry that you feel that way and I don't, right? I thought feelings were subjective. So I think we got to learn to give people the space to feel what they feel, right? Um, but that doesn't mean that because somebody feels this way, that that is the reality and that is how they're going to behave, right? You got to allow people to feel the way they feel because their healing is important too, right? You can't prioritize everyone else's healing and then go, those people's healing don't matter. Those are, those are the villains that you've created, right. right? There's no such thing as villainy. It's, it's all that bullshit. No, you, all of the stuff you're ignoring. Right. right. Um, so and, definitely and, go ahead. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah. And what I want to, um, what I want to convey is that, um, it was hard, like you said, well, how did it work with the with the breakup? So it was really difficult for me. Like people made, oh, she must say, oh, here, have, like what happened was when we were discussing that we were going to be split and Javon was like, and he always referred to her as his daughter, you know, he's like, yeah, and I'm keeping my daughter. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's just, it's just, it just worked out. Like he is such a father, like he's born to do that role. And that's of course why he wants to have more. And I said, well, yeah, that makes sense. Why? Because he's also going to, and I knew like what what gave me peace of mind was that he was going to easily find someone <laughs> who was going to be able to step in and be the, you know, like some people, you may think, oh, they're going to be single for a long time. He's going to be a single father, you know, who's going to like be a one like mother uh, in the no, house. He got, he, listen, Javon got the bag. Number one, mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he got the bag. He's a very well uh, spoken individual. Mm-hmm. Um, he's even tempered. Right. And although he can be an asshole, he's definitely surgical with the shit. So it's not an issue, right? The man has no issue. He has no issue. Like they, they, they go together like peas and carrots. He's, he's good at disciplining her. You know, me looking at him disciplining her from, from like four months old. (laughs) I was like, ah, but I'm like, if that's what it takes to, to, to like looking at him and how it takes to make her so brilliant, I'm like, I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm not sure I can put in that work. So <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm, I'm not like, that's not my natural capability. Now, yes, I could cultivate it, but I didn't want to cultivate, you know, like to to risk cultivating that at, at expense of other children's lives. You know what I mean? Um, also, a background on me is um, I come from this same exact situation that my daughter is about to go through. So I'm like, wow, this is so funny. I was born to my mother and father. They split up like probably within my first year of being born. And then... Um, uh, and then, so my, my birth father's always been in my life. We're very close, you know, and then my mother, uh, met another man when I was two, they got married, uh, you know, and I was almost four and, um, and he's been in my life now, you know, they since divorced since I, when I was like, well, they moved out when I was 12, but Whoa. so around when I was teenager, they divorced mm-hmm. and, um, but we're still very close. We're all very close still as a family. But for so, uh-huh. Bro- broken families hurt the children. What about the children? Well, and, and here's the thing, I know, and that's what I'm saying. Like, when people, I, I don't people feel that. Like, why don't you stay together for the child? What'd you say? 
I, I was just putting my caveat out there. I, I was being the voice of the people who say those things because mm-hmm. that's all you ever hear when you're going through a divorce, right? Mm-hmm. What about the children? So much right. so when I was going through my divorce, I was supposed to remain unhappily married mm-hmm. so that I could raise my children. And I felt like that would have been very traumatizing. So what about the children? How, how, do, how do you make sure that the children, like you going through it, hindsight being 2020 how do you feel about your parents separation and how do you feel that it's uh, affected you and so, obviously through your lens now as a relationship coach right um so one thing is so i'm giles birth mother right and then um so but my birth father i feel like uh i i was i was basically i was very grateful when to be raised by my second, I never call him stepfather, second father, call him Baba, father in Swahili. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, I'm very grateful to be raised by my Baba. Um, I mean, the, the values he instilled in me, the good times we had, you know, he would come and dance with you in the living room, just grooving R&B. Like, I, I, I mean, I always say, like, I, I am grateful to be raised by him. And now that's, that takes nothing away from my daddy. Like, I love my daddy. Like I said, he just, he parented in his own way. Uh, he was actually, you know, he spoiled a lot. And so um, I was always grateful to go over there <laughs> and uh, get spoiled and then come back to my more disciplining house. Um, I'm like, ooh, ooh, I, I'm afraid I'm going to do that with my baby because I am not a disciplinarian. I'm really trying. So I'm like, I'm trying not to spoil her when she's at my house. But um, but yeah, so what about the children? Well, um, she is going to what I, I know that he's going to marry again um and it's going to be someone who is going to be really good to be a bonus mom to my to my baby girl and she's going right. to be able to have siblings because that's the one thing I really wanted I'm like wow this really works out because I wanted my child to have siblings she's going to be able to have siblings and that's one of because I can't imagine my life without my siblings um who came from my second father uh and I have a sibling with my birth father as well and I can't imagine my life without them. Um, and I can't imagine anybody anybody's life without their siblings. So that's why I really wanted her to have some. Um, so she's going to have a dynamic life because she's going to have, um, you know, her two-parent household, siblings, and then she's going to be able to come with her mom. And her mama is likely going to have, you know, another life partner. And so she's going to have these two different households and community. Because what I realized, I grew up with not just my mother and my father and my second father but community like i have mm. several mothers i have um you know and my aunts and stuff helped me down my father was locked up for three years from like six to nine i was always at his sister's house and so i was really close to my cousins like community you know what i'm saying <laughs> like, like you said um so my baby's gonna be just fine and that's I know what I know. She will, yeah. right i know she will and 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 i i say all that to say um because you know I think a lot of people out there who go through divorce, who go through separations, you hear so much shit that is just guilt trips from other people's traumas, right? Like, and I think that should be a book, guilt trips from from other people's traumas. Because when I was going through my divorce, and I'm pretty sure you heard it, right? There was so many questions, right? People wanted us to keep it together for the kids. People wanted us to keep it together because we got married in the first place. People had a whole bunch of shit that they wanted to say. And I'm look on the, and I had to break it down. I say, look on the day to day, none of y'all is helping out. None of y'all are here. 
None of y'all are inside. None of y'all are in the house. None of y'all are helping pick up kids and drop them off. Right. So we, the adults in the situation, got to do what's best for us. Right. And that's one thing I, I hope everybody understands. Man, woman, uh, non-binary, if you're in a situation and you're not happy, don't blame the other person. Right. But definitely choose choose your peace. Right. Um, so in the in the relationship side of the house, in the communication side of the house, how, how do you actually make sure that your communication is on point so that you can have a amicable separation, a separation that is supportive and that doesn't traumatize the entire family? Right. <laughs> um oh okay so so not mine not not yours what you yeah say? so not not a separation like mine no um, that was a joke, was a oh, joke. okay right yeah, nobody <laughs> i don't think anybody's traumatized yeah that's good yeah, yeah. um because i know you said that people had uh mentioned that y'all's ambient you know, divorce is so amicable and then you said then i looked at y'all's and i'm like man <laughs> right i was i was sitting there mad i was like I thought I was going to be able to come over like, okay, so here's how you do it, right? And it was like, God damn it, they want up me again. <laughs> you supposed to, oh Lord, okay. <laughs> but it starts, um, so how you have that communication, it starts with some foundational understandings, which the first one is, I create my life. Um mm. And that's what Jovan kept trying to get me to see. But I, you know, when I look back, I'm like, about our whole marriage? Because I would blame him. Like, and that was the big, you know, <laughs> one of the big things. He's like, okay, this ain't working for him. Because I kept blaming him for something like, I, you know, I would make him the scapegoat, as he kept saying. And um, mm. so um, blaming him for what people say, well, you know, just for things not going right, whatever. Um, and so um I create my life is something that you really have to understand. And by that, I mean that you're not villainizing other people. Um, right. You're not victimizing yourself because in victimhood, that screams you don't have control over your circumstances. Um, and you can't uh, blame and shame people. You can't, um, you know, you have to realize that in creating your life, that doesn't mean, because people are like, I would create, I create my life. That means I, I'm creating the bad stuff too. Well, every situation is to grow you. Every situation is to show you yourself. Every, everything that you see in your outer world is a reflection of what's going on in your inner world. So mm -hmm. um, it, it starts with those foundational understandings, like really understanding that. Um, that way, when someone can comes with you, to you authentically with their... <laughs> with their honest, and you know, it, it may hurt some people, their honest truth, you are not going to actually take that personally because when Javon and I used to talk, we used to, um, I would get defensive. He would say something to me, you know, he would say something that he may need from me or something he's missing. And I am defensive. Um, I'm putting up, well, instead of hearing him, instead of being able to like really fully comprehend and like give him what he needs, the walls are up, you know, like I said, so I'm blaming him. I'm, 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 defend, I'm being defensive. I'm, you know, uh, so that's what it takes, that foundational principle. And then knowing how to actually go through the communication, you know, knowing, you know, how that whole people, people say, oh, women, 
just vent. And us men, we always trying to fix it, but we don't know when y'all just want to vent or want to, well, this communication framework Listen. up level that I teach, it, it puts that whole thing into a container where you actually tell them, okay, I'm just wanting to vent right now. And I want you to just hear me authentically. And I'll tell you what I need. Like, it's just, and then from that, there's different steps to that. So, um, I, lo- yeah. I love that. I love the fact that um, you, you brought up, you know, the victimization and the villainization, right? Um, I, I, I'm uh, famous for telling people I'm in relationships with, partnerships with, whether it's in business or personal. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody starts becoming jealous of me or they basically start making me the villain, I am very comfortable being the bad guy. <laughs> right because yeah. i understand you you created the role of this astronomical bad guy so that you could grow right i get it i totally get it but i tell people look you can hate me from outside right um and why i say that right now is um that is something that we do have to be aware of in our marriages right it's not it's not energy. It's not scenarios that we need to recreate within our relationships and within uh, inside our house. Because imagine you fighting all day at work. You're trying to get promoted. Your boss don't like you. This person don't like you. You come home and your wife don't like you too. Your husband don't like you too. Fuck that. <laughs> Quite frankly, fuck that. Right. So <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm in a hundred percent agreement. Um, and then you mentioned up level communication, right? Which um, you know you would be the uh, second coach that has been through uh, that program or that series of schooling um, from, I believe, uh, Kenya and Carl Stevens that have uh, both put that uh, work together, right? Uh, the other would be, I believe, uh, either episode episode 12, I had uh, Dwayne Mooney on, right? Um, and he talked about building your kingdom and building your queendom. And I'm, I'm hearing very similar um, lessons from you in creating your life and taking charge of creating your life. Um, that that's the question though, right? Because a lot, a lot of young women, right. From, you know, from the time they were born, they were raised that a man is going to create their life for them, right? Like they're going to go grow up. They're going to meet a man that's also powerful and also rich, and he's going to do the work. Right. Um, and I'm a disappointer. It's like, no, I'm doing the work for me. Right. I, I got to build my shit. So what, what would you say to those women? So they're not just hearing the mean old man say that he wants to build his shit. What, what, what would you say in that case? Are, are men supposed to service and build what you want? Or are we supposed to build for the women? Or what, what are we supposed to be doing? What are the women supposed to be doing? Mm, mm, mm. So... <laughs> Yeah, I came from that frame of thought, um, which is, yeah, I thought, okay, I'm going to get married. Yeah, and and I realized that I guess that was maybe more the thing back in the 50s, 60s, you know, before, because women weren't having, you know, like employment that was really gaining money. And um, so before it was the man took everything and the women took care of the household, took care of the children, which by the way, is no easy task. And I don't understand why anybody puts down people who are homemakers. I don't understand that 
because it's, that's a lot of work. <laughs> um, and, 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 and husbands all the time in careers talk about the fact that they have it easier at work than their wife does at home. What'd you say? <laughs> Go ahead. You said that in front of me and you know, famously, I tell people all the time, I don't want no housewife. And they think that I'm putting it down. It's not that I'm putting it down. I just, I don't want it. Right. It, it's what it creates, right? Like, so um, I don't know whether it's easier or not, right? I, you know what? Let, let me put it this way. It's hard if you're actually the stay-at-home mom or the stay-at-home spouse, right? That's doing the work, right? So man or woman. If you're the one that's actually doing the work, then yeah, that's actually a difficult job, right? If you're dialing it in, right? Like, you know, I, I came home uh, during the sprint where my wife wasn't working. My son was home. It was just her and my son and some college work that she had to do during the day. I'd come home and she's like, oh yeah, the dishes. I wasn't here all day. Hold up, I was not here, right? right? So it's, it's when you're dialing, and I'm not saying that's alone, it would be dialing it in. You know, if you're coming home, you know, as the counter spouse and the house isn't clean and there's all of this stuff for you to do as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's easy because you didn't do shit for the day. Right. You know what I mean? So that I think that's where the critique comes in. It's not from the people who actually take the role seriously. Right. It's from the people who don't. Right. Right. And, and yeah, and, and I agree with that. I agree with that because, and I'm, I'm being, I'm being honest, I'm, I wasn't a good housewife. Like before we even had the child, <laughs> I wasn't that good at it. Um, and so that's why I kept having to have employment, even though like basically I spent a lot of my time really just trying to figure out what I was trying to do with my life. Um, but that's a whole other story. Um, so um, what were we talking about here? We were talking about, oh, what women should do. Yeah, yeah, so back yeah. in the what, day. What, what, yeah, right. Women, what should men be doing in, in their relationships and what should women be doing in their relationships? What right. should they be building um, and what should they be contributing? Right. So, um, so yeah, like I said, back in the day when women took it seriously as yes, housewiving and, and, and taking care of the children and all that, they mostly did it all by themselves. And then the man was going out and being a breadwinner. And so, but now the situation has changed where women, can, you know, where first of all, two incomes are really needed if you really want to do some things um, as far as investments and all this to, to secure financial uh, uh, legacy for your children and all that. And so now the woman does have to have some kind of employment, some kind of career. Um, and so it would really, it, it's hard to, Basically, she has to also be doing something because what it is is what us women are wanting help in the house, and so it's not fair. Like you said, if you are the one, you know, at the house, not employed or anything, and yet you want the man to be employed and also help. So if if you want help in the house and and he has to work, then what's starting to be is that the woman also has to be working. And what I realize is that the women who get the men who are like really doing something in life, um, when you look at celebrities, when you look at all kinds of, the women are like, they're really doing something in life too. Like they have wow. their own, they, they know their passions. They, they're working in their purpose. Like, right. you know, what's yeah, crazy about so. that? Um, you know, my partner just told me about the same thing. I, I forget what the thing that she told me is named because I only know the woman's husband, although the woman is the one with the Netflix special, right? Um, but she's married to Cristiano Ronaldo, the soccer player, right? Look, the most 
famous soccer player in the world, right? The highest paid athlete in the world, right? And what she was, what, you know, my partner was telling me, she was like, yeah, like I'm watching this woman get up, go do a whole bunch of work, manifest, act based on her purpose. But her husband is the richest, the highest paid athlete in the world, right? Uh, I was saying, yes, like, I think there's a misunderstanding of what successful men want, right? Mm -hmm. Successful men don't really, a a lot of us nowadays, I would say, right? Mm -hmm. Let me say some, right? Because I can't speak for everybody. A lot of us nowadays don't really want a woman that is a stay-at-home figure or that dedicates their life to us. We want to see what amazing shit you could do. We want to see what amazing things you got going on. We want to see what brilliantness can be brought forth from your mind to heal the world as well, right? Um, we can execute our own missions and our own purposes without, you know, you doing all of the things because that's just where life has gotten, right? There's dishwashers and automatic vacuums. So long as you do a little bit of work, the house takes care of itself. But now when it comes to having a fulfilled partner, somebody that is genuinely your equal because when they come into the space, they have stories, right? Could, could you imagine someone being married to somebody like me and not being able to have some stories to give back, right? I'd be bored with you. I'd be completely out of my mind bored, right? right. So that, that's the, the, I believe that's where you're going with that. And that's exactly what we're talking about. That, um, wh- what is it when your um, Christians say you gotta be evenly yoked, right? right. So being evenly yoked even means in the financial space, right? Like there's a terrible lot of men that aren't look that are at this level and they aren't looking to date at this level either, right? Just like there's a terrible lot of women that are at this level that are saying that they can't find someone, but they're not looking to date at this level. And the, there are those out there that are finding their level. They just are happy and not fucking talking about it. So you don't know about it. Cause they're minding their business. <laughs> so, so, well, yeah, I mean, and, and that is what was happening. Like, you know, if I'm being quite frank, what happened was, um, it turns out Javon was like, okay, I'm sitting up here building and building for us. I'm going out and grinding. And then I'm like having to raise two children without support. <laughs> basically it was, it was like I didn't understand what he was I didn't understand what he meant when he kept saying I didn't he didn't get the support from me that he needed what, like, what did he mean raise two children oh yeah me I was one of them okay I was one I, I, <laughs> I had I mean I was I mean I was so lost when I look back I, I spent the last two years of our marriage crying every single day um at some point in time during the day and I mean two years every day and now people say is that an exaggeration okay maybe 10 of those days out of the two years I didn't cry. but and, and and it wasn't like basically I was lost is what I'm saying like it wasn't like anything wrong with Javon like Javon what I'm saying this it was such it was so confusing I'm like okay I'm living a charmed life I don't understand I was wondering if I was um, bipolar because my natural inclination is to be very happy it's on my mama very happy one time, one minute singing and ah, and being mm-hmm. me and then they singing I'm bawling like I'm like oh my god so anyway I sounded to say that yeah he was not getting support that he needed from a, a partner a spouse because um he was having to take care of me and the child you know and our child because I was lost as to how to take care of like when I tell you I'm just 
it was bad. It was just bad. So, and and I didn't understand it until we got into our counseling and I'm like, oh, this is the kind of support you need. And so naturally, for many reasons that I'm not one to like go totally into during this podcast, but naturally that wasn't going to be something I was going to be able to provide for right. him um, without it being, because what it was is already like my cousin, my best friend cousin was telling me, She's like, it seems like you really having to change yourself a lot in order to be married to him. And so, you know, I, I could have worked on, you know, but it's like we were, we realized like, we're really forcing this. Like, this is like a struggle. Right. It, it's, um, <laughs> it, it's one thing if the change is something that was in alignment, like that was who you saw yourself as. Right. Right. But if that's not who you see yourself as, then, right, this isn't the partner that's going to help you get there. This is the partner that's going to you know, create something lateral. And now you're going to be at this level, looking at the woman that you want to be over there going, I could have been lounging on a beach somewhere. Right. <laughs> I, I'm speaking. Cause I know Falami, right? Like I know Falami and I know Javon, Javon wants a, a working woman. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I, I, and Falami is a luxury cat. Yes. Right. Falami is not trying to hear all of that. Right. Like she's like, look, man, I'm 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 your motivation. I'm, but I, I need to be over here doing something that I consider to be easy and fucking. Uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? And fucking luxurious and fabulous. Right. That That's who Falami is. And um, so I, so I totally get it. I totally get it. Um. And I, as a man, I've had to learn that, right? And I, I think I, I've learned for myself, like, I, shit, I'm a very down-to-earth person, but I'm a go-getter. I need a person who is very similar, right? right. right. And it's not that, you know, it, it, I think everybody needs to establish what type of relationship they would want with mm-hmm. the type of person that they come across. Right, right. Because I don't... I'm. I'm not a believer that uh, every woman that I've come across is supposed to be my wife. Sure, she's somebody's wife, just not mine, mm-hmm. right? right. Um, but it's also understanding I'm not supposed to be everybody's husband, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm just better suited as your side dude, right? <laughs> right. That being said, <laughs> that being said, you you know I speak straight. Come on, let's right. Go. Um. We're at the point of the podcast where we would normally move into story for a story, right? Mm-hmm. So that means you tell me a story for me and I'll give you a story back. And I, I think we got to be careful. We might know each other's stories a bit too well. So I got to really dig in the bag to give Falami a good story, y'all. Yeah. And, um, and, I, and I just want to say one thing on what you said prior about who I am. I, it took me a while to come to that, like the counseling is what really made me um, understand that about myself, that I like said, I'm a luxury cat um, and, and accept that. Um, it was hard to accept. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I gotta be true to me. I love me. This is just who I am. I, I, and I, I can't deny it. And nothing's wrong with being a luxury cat, right? <laughs> like, I think, you know, the world that we live in, I think, you know, a woman that is cool to get into the garden and do all the farming and and bail the hay and she wants to toss the the medicine back ball back and forth with you i think all of that is cool but a woman that you take to the ball is cool as well right 
because they, and everybody is that every tool has its own utility right right exactly exactly so okay so a story for a story <sighs> i know i've been wondering like okay what am i gonna tell for a story um so uh i guess in relationship form i guess i'll go with this uh, you story. could tell um, hold on you could tell any story that you want to tell right it could wild and crazy i'm just gonna match your level right and see and i can't go wild and crazy first of all because i don't really actually have wild and crazy but i also you know my family and everybody gonna be listening so i can't be too crazy they will but, uh, what'd you say they will I th- yeah like my mom my parents probably listen to this yeah i feel mama <laughs> so, um you are so goofy so um so yeah um one thing that to me is crazy is um I and it just goes off my like my manifestation power. Uh, I was four years old. I had a crush on uh, a drummer in my African dance class who was uh, twelve years old, and um, <laughs> of course, like that mind box, like we didn't understand, like well, how could she have a crush on this like four years old? First of all, and then she's crushing on this like twelve year old dude. And I talked about him incessantly, and my mother was uncomfortable with this, so she pulled me out of the class. Uh, fast forward. Uh, 12, no, 13 years. I'm 17. Um, and I re meet him. He's 25 now, and whoo-wee, he is beautiful. Um, and just like every you know, the muscles, the tat. I mean, <sighs> and so he felt smitten with me when, I, when we first re met. I mean, I don't, I don't, I was like, wow. And so, I mean, to the point where I was driving home from uh because I met him again at his aunt's house and I was driving home and I'm screaming like the windows are all up and I'm screaming because I remember him from when I was four um and I was just like I cannot believe I have like we have run into each other again and I'm feeling all these feelings basically we this is right before I go to college we start um hanging out and my parents are of course concerned and I'm like well we're not actually dating you know because they're like he's eight years older than you he's 25 I'm like well we're not really dating but then we ended up you know starting to actually date and then I went to college and what's the irony the irony is um that I had broken up with my boyfriend I was with for like a year when I remit I didn't want to be attached when I went to college um <laughs> but anyway so we got together and I went to college and he uh he was like he sent me a rush card and was loading money on there. He brought me a new phone so I could text him um, easier. He was fly me back home. I mean, he winded down. I mean, he treated me like a queen. It was beautiful. And it was like my roommates, my college roommate's boyfriend. I had a picture of my boyfriend on my wall uh, above my door. And he said, who was that? Cause he looked like ludicrous or something. You know, I said, it's my boyfriend. He's like, really basically like how you pull him <laughs> i'm like dude don't you play your girl so anyway then um i say all that to say that um he i broke up with him uh the freshman uh the winter break between my freshman year of college uh because a family friend called me up and said um well, I'm basically, she gave me a snapshot of what my life was about to look like um, because this is exactly how her life went as far as she was 17 with a 25-year-old and then she got pregnant 
even though she had a scholarship to college, I had a full ride scholarship, academic scholarship to college. Um, and she was like, I love my boys and I love my husband and all that. And she's like, so this is the road you're going on. So you can, you know, choose. So I was like, oh. And you remembered that you didn't like kids. Right. And, and that's the thing. Like, I told him, like, there were so many signs because I broke up with him, like, right after I got phone with her um, because of the fact that he might not be here. And, um, and some people may look at that and be like, uh, you want to get on birth control? You want to? I, <laughs> I was a. I was supposed to be waiting until marriage is what I said in my head. So I wasn't going to give myself permission to what have I said in my head. What'd you say? I said what I said in my head. <laughs> right. So I wasn't going to give myself permission to have sex regularly by getting on birth control because I also understood that birth control was so not foolproof. Um, so yeah, I broke up with him, and which was mind boggling to me, mind boggling to him. <laughs> he was like, this 17-year-old girl broke up. And so that's when um that's when I called Javon right after that, even though I did not like me and him weren't like like that. I didn't actually, you know, have feelings for him like that. But in the back of my mind, that's the reason why I was able to so quickly and easily like break up <laughs> with my one boyfriend because I, I do I did know I had him in the back of my head, which was wild because I didn't have those kind of feelings for him. We we went on friends after that, me and Javon. I hope courtship was very strange, but um, but yeah, and when I called Javon up, I said I broke up with my boyfriend. He's like, okay. And 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 what's funny about Javon is that's what happens to him with several females. They meet him, then they break up with their boyfriend, and they tell them, and he's like, So what I'm supposed to do now? Like, you know, if I tell you break up with your boyfriend, it's just funny. Like that's how you that that really is the reaction that you is appropriate. <laughs> like, who told you to do that? You you wasn't gonna come talk to me first. Right, none of that. But we didn't, and like I said, I want to iterate. We didn't get together, me and Javon, and become boyfriend and girlfriend after that. We were just friends because um, we wasn't really feeling each other like that. It was, it's just wild. That's real. That's real. But, 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 but that boyfriend didn't like because I had met Javon during the time when I was, you know, I met Javon in college while I was still had a boyfriend back home, and he wouldn't hear about Javon, and he was like, I don't like this cat, you know. I'm like, oh, don't worry. I'm like, I'm not attracted to him. Don't worry. And next thing I'll, I'll always joke about that. I'm like, oh my God, then we got married. <laughs> right. So for Hilarious. men listening, don't listen. <laughs> right. All right. I'll give you a story. No, no, no. Do what you got to do, bro. <laughs> I'll, um, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll back that up. Um, uh, okay. So this is actually about first love, right? Mm-hmm. So 17 as well right um i i was i decided i was going to join the marine corps when i was like 15 right mm-hmm. so i started working out with the marines as soon as i can and i used to go to the recruiting office and when i was in boston because my mom sent me to boston you know after i got in some trouble it's like uh french prince of new york type shit right <laughs> um so <laughs> my mom sends me to boston and I'm in the recruiting office. I'm 17, finally in the delayed entry program because you have to be 17 years old to actually sign up, right? And I'm an athlete. Like, literally all I do is train to get ready to go into the Marine Corps, right? Like, I'm on the track team so I can run, so I can learn how to run an 18-minute three-mile so that I can be a better Marine. Like, this is how much of my life was dedicated to what you saw me doing, right? Which we can tell other stories about how I fucked all that up. 
right? We should. But life is great. So moving on, right? <laughs> I'm 17. I'm sitting in there, right? Like, and I, I'll, I'll give people like my disposition. All I did was work out. And then my other thing was talking to girls, right? And I was smooth with it, like slick, savage, right? I think there was um one time I was late to PT physical training uh, with the recruiters and I pulled up and I'm in front of the building and you know, the girls are saying bye, two girls kiss me, I give them a kiss. I walk in the building, I was like, yeah, man, there was this thing going on with the train. They was like, yo, cause they called me New York. They was like, yo, New York, we just saw you on the camera. We was watching you on the camera. If I'm lying, I'm flying. They gonna listen to this and laugh, right? right. Um, so this girl walks in the office one day, right? And this is before she knows me, before she knows any of that stuff about me, right? I'm like, I'm on it, right? She's dropped that gorgeous. I mean, chocolate dark skin. Like when I say dark skin, I mean dark skin, like nighttime space skin, right? On point, right? Um, her hair is straightened, but you could tell like it's hot comb. So I'm like, ooh, natural hair too? Like we on point. Right. So I'm with it. She, her eyes, like she has, um, no, very, very thin eyes, right. On a very dark skinned woman. And then body, obviously keep in mind, we're talking about a 17 year old. Uh, (laughs) she's a track star too. Right. So her thing is, uh, no, she don't don't got much up here, but the legs is ridiculous. Right. So I'm like, this is my thing. I didn't know I was into it until I saw it, but that's a gazelle and I want it, right? I'm, I'm just letting you know how I thought as a 17-year-old, okay? <laughs> so I go up to her, I ask her out. Uh, we end up going to the movies, right? Mm-hmm. Doing what 17-year-olds do, right? You know, I start messing around with her, right? She's pushing me off. She's into it at first, mm-hmm. right? Then she decides at some point she's not into it. She says, all right, cool, that's that. Hits me up like, yo, let's let's just be friends. Now I'm confused. I'm like, yo, you was, we was good, right? right? And then I'm also confused because in my 17-year-old mind, I'm like, hold on. This works, right? This works for me. I have no issues. What's going on, right? Right. I'm thinking I'm broken. All right, I just need to try harder. And she's dubbing me. She's dubbing me. She's dubbing me, right? But I, I genuinely really start to fall for her from a space of who she is, the type of work that she puts in, her being this very ambitious woman as well, right? Um, and as you guys know, my name is Ambition, but I, I was that back then. Like the only thing that mattered was where I was trying to go. So to meet another person like that in a female body um, that was no attractive was mind boggling to me, right? right. So. She, un- she eventually saw who I was, right? Like she was there watching on the camera that day. And, you know, that was a big reason that she was like, look, I'm not fucking with you, right? Mm-hmm. And rightfully so. Anybody listening to this would be like, yeah, you're a fucking little, little savage. Get the fuck out of here, right? I-, I basically pursued this woman for two years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I joined the Marine Corps. I'm still talking to her on the side, but I'm still talking to everybody that I've been talking to. I'm not going to stop. I just make sure that I'm making sure I continuously hear her up. 
regardless of who I'm talking to, right? Um, eventually, two years go by, we're both in the military. She's like, yo, I, I mean, I've decided I want to be with you. I'm like, where? She's like, yeah, where are you at? I said, I'm, I'm at MOS school right now. I'm in Georgia. You know, you know where we were. Um, so she's like, I got 10 days of leave. I'm going to come spend the 10 days with you. So she stayed in the, um, the way it was where, where our barracks was, it was actually an old hotel. So the Marines were on the top floor and then people could actually rent out the second floor um, and first floor. So she stayed on the second floor and I was on the top floor, right? And um, she flew in, uh, came in. She was like, oh, I came in, I checked in. I was like, she's like, what are you doing in the morning? I was like, you know, I normally get up at about 4.30 in the morning. I go work out in PT. She was like, oh, I'll be your PT. And I was like, what? Yes. Right? I'll, listen, you, you got to understand, after two years of persistence, right? After two years of persistence, I was in there like swimwear, man. Like I, when I tell y'all the way that I fell in love with this woman, right? Or fell in love with this girl. Cause I, I think at 19, that's just where we were, right? Was utterly ridiculous to me. So for 10 years, vacated. You get what I mean? For 10 days, sorry, for oh, 10 yeah. days. <laughs> but them 10 days felt like 10 years, right? Oh. Um, she goes over to Okinawa and now I got three months of time. But I explained to you the type of young man that I was. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously I, I made some slip ups, right? But I feel so bad about this slip up that I tell her, right? And that's where I learned, keep my fucking mouth shut. <laughs> right? So I tell her, she's like, oh, we're done. I'm like, no, no, no. That's, I'm like, no, this is impossible. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, obviously I got some things in the package. She, you know, uh, we're not done, but I'm mad at you. Okay, I can deal with you being mad. So I flow over there, right? I get my orders to Okinawa. And she um finally comes see me. I'm in the gym, you know, playing basketball with all, all my uh, Marines and whatnot. And she walks in the building. I, she walks on the court, told her where I was. She comes in. As soon as she walks on the court, I'm looking at her. I, I look and see the face, right? Okay. I'm like, oh, okay. Like you, anybody out there who, who's messed with, um, for lack of a better term, uh, hood girls, right? You you understand when this is not the normal, you, you don't want these conversations to be had in front of people, right? So I'm like, I just point, right? So I point to the back of the door. I walk over, walk through the door, right? I walk through the door. I'm standing back to the side. She walks through the door, comes through. Beep, beep, hits me twice, right? Just punches me in my face. Like just bang, bang, right? I said, oh shit. So I grabbed her by her shoulders and I shook her. I'm like, yo, what the fuck is wrong with you? Right. right? Just to let y'all know, like all of this goes on, you know, we, we eventually realize like we are very toxic for each other. We want two different things in life. Um, but man, when I'm telling you uh, just the idea of this person being my first love, like I, I still, I shit, I still take a shot every now and again, right? <laughs> I'm not gonna hold you. I, st I still you take a shot up. every now and again. I say, "Hey, your mind changed about what you want in life." She goes, "Nope." And I be go, "Okay, right?" Oh. Um. But but I say all that to say, um, will I ever again chase a woman for two years? No. I 
uh, I learned a lot about valuing myself as a man from that experience. And I, I think sometimes women go, well, men are supposed to chase us. Why aren't they doing it? And this is why when a man goes through that experience, he learns a lot about how he's valuing himself or devaluing himself. Right. Um, so from that experience, I learned I was chasing somebody who wasn't the right fit for me anyway. Right. And yeah, we, we do have this, you know, amazing friendship and there was this really deep love, but it needed to stay at a friendship. And this is why as a man, I don't chase anymore. The way I see it is I'm the way I'm taking shots is I feel like chasing is trying to make a half court or a full court shot. You get what I mean? And layups are nice. And even what I would like better than layups is when the woman who's in charge of the court takes a little step ladder and put it right underneath the hoop for me. Right. That that's exactly the space that I'm in. Right. So for the gentlemen out there, for the men out there, and for the ladies out there, ladies, if you want him, don't make him chase you, right? And men, if you want her, right, and she doesn't want you, she'll make you chase you, chase her. So that's that. Oh, my God. She oh, wanted me. Hold on. Let me, let me caveat that. The woman I talked about wanted me. She just didn't want me to do what I was doing. That's something different. Okay. <laughs> important caveat um i'm just so grateful that you brought that up because that is a big crux of uh my counseling is uh and 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 it would just behoove all of the world for men and women to understand that dynamic because what we've grown grown up what we've grown up learning is that yes men are supposed to chase the women but that is lending leading to a lot of you know men who like you said uh are not getting value because it they're chasing and chasing the women like you said you have to chase her she don't want you, you. Know, she didn't want you right um so what it has to happen is that like you said we women actually have to first of all know what we want and and that's a little difficult for us to do i understand um because i'm one of those people but with the tools that I have now, now I understand, okay, this is exactly what I, why I'm attracted to this guy. This is why I'm attracted to this guy. This is what, and so this is what I want from him. So, um, because what we kind of blanketly say that we're like, we want a guy and we don't realize that, oh, it's for different reasons that we're attracted to different guys. So um, I say all that to say, we women have to actually let a man know um, when we do want him now that's different from because of course we'd like to be come on to or whatever like we like to be approached is what I'm saying we don't have to be I'm not saying we have to be the one to approach but when we are like we can energetically choose a man when we do get approached by a man that we actually do want we need to go ahead and, and let him know like not don't play games like don't be coy about it because the woman who's playing games and being coy looks a lot like the woman who doesn't actually you know it's not actually interested in him can so I be honest about you have how, to be like forthcoming about that kind of thing because be otherwise how we take that as men? it's not to his benefit right. can I be honest about how we take that as men right like yeah. as a man I don't really take it as you're being coy and playing games I take it as you're being confusing as fuck and you're mm-hmm. you're something that may end up hurting you because you're so confusing I don't know what the fuck you want right mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be hurt just like you're not trying to be hurt so and when I say hurting, it could be hurting in a number of different ways, right? 
I'll be hurt if I go out, spend some money on, you know, having a nice time on somebody that don't even like me like that. Like what I look like, this is not a charity, right? This isn't Salvation Army. You could have got a dinner by going to some sort of little organization, right? Go to a soup kitchen if you want free meals, right? Um, but my, my point is when, when you're dealing with like people that play games is you don't know what they want. You don't know what they feel. And a lot of them are trying to hide what they want and hide what they feel. And there's so much there. There's an added layer. I'm not dating you. I'm dating your mask. And you're, you'll get mad at me for what's behind your mask that I can't see anyway. And then I'm supposed to learn how to read behind that. There's enough shit to do in life, woman. Or man, because I think men do it too. Either which way, whoever's doing it, you're silly. Stop it. And like I said, and I fully understand exactly what you just said because that was me. And I, you know, I I had no idea who I was, what I wanted. Nope. Like, ooh. And okay, you had then. to deal with that. Last question. Like, kind of figure that out. Ooh, last question, right? What is the last bit of information that you would leave our listeners with that? you think will help them build better relationships, whether they're personal relationships, business relationship. We just want better relationships, period. Right. Oh, and I should have definitely prepared the last thing. <laughs> uh, let me think, because that's a good question. Good question. Um, so what I would say is that uh, in order to build a good relationship with anybody I, it, it starts with knowing I mean it's so cliche but it does start with really knowing and just really loving yourself to me how you get to that point is um to know that you have like there are three parts of yourself there's your human experience part mm-hmm. then there's your um there's a part of you that is a creator. I don't want to say a God that triggers some people. I want to say you have God in you. Why? How do you know that? Because you do not operate your body. Your body operates on autopilot. You know, your diaphragm does its thing. Your stomach does the digestion. Your cells separate and, and die off. And like if you had to sit there and and like coordinate all of that, oh, you, you know, you'd be all malfunctioning all day. So right. we have to realize what the power that we have in ourselves, that is going, that's like really the only thing that's going to make us really fall in love when we realize, oh my God, I, I have that in me. I'm creating my life. And then what, it, and then the, the biggest thing about that is because I know I have that in me, guess what? It's in every single person that I ever am going to see in my entire life. Mm. What does that mean? That means we all come from a source. That means we are all connected. If we're all coming from the same ball, now everybody's being offshoots of, you know, of that same ball. That means we're all connected. We're all one. Meaning what I do to you I'm doing to myself. I want you to have everything you want. Why? Because that means by default, I'm going to get what I want because we're connected. Like there's no need for jealousy. There's no, I mean, we would be a lot more careful to start wars with each other, (laughs) Russia and Ukraine. I mean, it's just, if we actually 
fully internalize that? Just what are the possibilities that, you know, what kind of world we create? I'm not naive in suggesting that there'll be, it'll be a utopia. No, um, we're always gonna have experiences that we don't like um, from that. For you. What'd you say? It'll be a utopia for you. In order for there to be a utopia, everyone has to get busy creating their own utopia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, and then, but even in that, it's never going to be perfect, of course, and because you never, you don't expect it to be perfect, and you really don't want it to be perfect because then you're not going to actually fully be able to appreciate right. this stuff, you know. So yeah, it's just like we get upset about spoon-fed children um, because they don't understand how good they have it. You know, they don't know. They don't know anything different. So, so you guys heard it here. If you want great relationships, understand that we are all connected and give as good as you get. And for everybody listening, go be great.